All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Doghouse. Man, I wanted to let that one keep going, but it would have me fired up and getting ready That's to go. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's hard to beat that right there. Oh, Steve Earl that. for you liking. That's right. Copperhead That's right. Road. Copperhead Road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Doghouse. We'll call this one a story time version with my old buddy, Walker Davison. How you doing, Walker? I'm good, man. Just hanging out. Been up here in Foster for about a week now and been getting some good dog training in and learning a whole bunch, sitting around talking about bird dogs and duck hunting. You know, don't get much better than that. Don't get no better than that. But before we get too deep into it, let's talk about the dog house and who who sponsors this deal and who brings it, man. It's Sullivan Motors, College, Mississippi, BS Delivers. Call those guys for your truck needs. Um, Duck Dog Clothing Company and Wet Mutt. Uh, Kong bumpers, your doghouse gear, hit Miss Melissa up for that. G&G Motors in Kentucky, Mahindra tractors, side-by-sides, all kinds of goodies over there. Tetra, hear the hunt. Tetra's good stuff. You got some Tetras, don't you, Walker? Yes, sir, sure do. I have actually had uh, the uh, molded and non-molded pairs, and uh, I gave the non-molded ones to my dad and got me some some custom fitted ones and man they are the ticket yeah you got the custom shields yes sir and you had some alpha shields that's right yeah they're good they are they're good yeah. nothing wrong with them at all i just um you know i at the end of the last duck season i had a little money saved up i figured that dad needed some and so i said well i'll just go ahead and get me some custom ones and let dad have those other ones and, mm-hmm. man i like it man they uh, i've tried to you know different electronic hearing and they're the only ones that you can still blow your duck call and it sounds right. Yeah, it sounds close and that was pretty good. Yeah. And the directional hearing is on the money too. That's right. That's right. And uh, our newest sponsor, Soggy Dog Gear, for all of your dog gear needs. Your uh, when you when you get your your dog from your trainer or you need a new e collar, you you know you need that Garmin Sport Pro, that Pro Five Fifty. The, do- the guys over at Soggy Dog Gear is your person, SoggyDogGear.com. All right, uh, without further ado, Walker, tell everybody who you are, man, and what you got going on in life. You're a young buck and yes, has seen a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've been real blessed, gotten to do a lot of a lot of really cool stuff uh, to be 24. I've, I really have been blessed, got to travel a lot. and uh, But anyway, I've... Born and raised in Auburn, Alabama, and went to college in Auburn. Graduated there in December of twenty one, and then uh, that's the only thing I found about you that that I'm, I don't we, like. We don't see eye to eye on. We don't see eye to eye on is your <laughs> damn Auburn geek. That's right. That's right. But carry on. Uh, but yeah, graduated. I started guiding uh, while I was in college. You know, just kind of part time helping out folks and stuff. And then when COVID hit and. Uh, my school pretty much went online at that point. I was I wasn't in Auburn a whole lot after that. Mm-hmm. I uh, pretty much stayed gone and started my first real full time guiding job was up in Illinois at a private club. Um, we hunted ducks and then did put and take pheasant hunts and uh, that was really cool. Great great way to kind of get into guiding. Um, got to learn a lot from some really good guys that have been in the industry a long time up there and then. Uh, from there ended up, uh, last year, last two years, I've worked in Oklahoma for the regular duck season. 
uh, went up to Canada this past year, worked with ranch land up there in Alberta. So pretty much, yeah, right now my schedule is Canada for a couple months and then back to Oklahoma and then a little snow goose hunting in springtime mm-hmm. and a little turkey hunting when snow geese, you know, get gone. We'll, we'll start in on the turkeys. So. You can't leave out your deal you did in Argentina too. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Last spring I went to Argentina. Uh, got it down there for about two months, and we did ducks and quail. Um, man, that was something else. Those ducks down there are just it's different. They, uh, you know, really most of those ducks we were hunting had never heard a shotgun before. <laughs> um, uh, so it ain't like those ducks we were talking about are flying over the trees and boom, 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 and they never change their wing. They never they even just, check up. They know it wasn't a them, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, those are bad ducks right there. They got a PhD, baby. That's right. They, they've seen a thing or two, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, no, Argentina was beautiful. I mean, the country was beautiful. The people were just great. Um, the guys down there that I worked with took me under their wing and, you know, really made sure that I wasn't just lonely down there. And so, right. Um, I was going to say, what's that like to go into another country and going in there and, and guide duck hunts? When Was it? Was it Americans coming to hunt? Yeah, all okay. our all our clients were from America. Um, it was different, different. You know, we had guys from Alabama, Florida, Indiana, Washington D.C. I mean, kind of all over the U.S. But um, but all the clients down there were great. You know, and just it was it was really cool for me to. I learned a lot about duck hunting from hunting ducks that had never been messed with, and it's like that's how a duck's supposed to act. And then you kind of take that and you start hunting pressure ducks and you're like, all right, I know what he wants to do. Now he's changed what he wants to do because of this pressure. Right. We're still going to figure out how to kill him. You yeah. know? He's changed how he responds to what he wants to do because of pressure. Yeah, exactly. So and that's, you know, it it also changed my views on pressure a lot. I mean, and how, how d- responsive ducks are to pressure. Because down there, I mean, the first two weeks of the season, I mean, we could have killed them with tennis rackets every day. And then <laughs> by the end of it, like, you actually had to keep your face down and be still. And, I mean, they in, in just that short of time and a little bit of, you know, relatively the little bit of pressure. I mean, we only hunted two guns a morning. So it really wasn't a whole lot of pressure. I mean. Um, but you killed more than. Yeah, we you could kill twenty a piece in yeah, the morning. Yeah, a little more liberal on the yeah. limits, wasn't it? Twenty a piece in the morning and ten a piece in the afternoon. So <laughs> sixty for the sixty for a blind for a day. What did you do? I killed a thirty pack this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was cool. We uh, and it was you know those those guys down there. I mean, the culture where I was at was just awesome and <clears throat> great food, great people. I mean, everybody down there is. Uh, it was neat because they all wanted to learn English. They were fly fishing guides. And so, you know, they wanted their English to be better to learn from the clients. And obviously I needed to learn how to speak a little Spanish so I could communicate with them. And Mm -hmm. so it was really cool. We all just helped each other and, and, uh, turned out to have a really, really great duck season and, uh, killed plenty of quail too. So it was, it was an awesome experience to go down there. Awesome. Awesome. Let's backtrack just a little bit. All right. This morning, you and I were talking after we cleaned the kennel, and while you were you, while you were spraying, and you, you talking about <clears throat> falling in love with duck hunting and how it just kind of—I'm not a big vocabulary guy—but how it just consumes yeah. your thoughts and your heart and and all of that. And you're talking about a deal you made with your mom. 
oh. about helping you get your first duck boat. You you can say the numbers if you want to yeah. on the test, but I, I didn't want, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. throw that so out there. The, the deal was I had to make a, a 30 on my ACT, and Mom would help me out on a duck boat. And so uh, He said 30. So, uh, yeah, when I, I took it once, and I can't remember what I made on the first one, and I studied a little bit and kind of took a few practice tests and – I remember like it was yesterday. I got the, my little brother went outside and got the mail, and I just got out of the shower, walked downstairs, and he said, "Your ACT score's back." And I was like, "Man, I can't open it. You got to open it." <laughs> and uh, and he knew about the deal, you know. And so he opened it. and He gave me this look, and I was like, my heart just sank. I was like, "Ain't no way." And he's like, "I'm just messing with you, buddy." I jumped around, ran. I mean, I think I ran three laps around the house. I was so fired <laughs> up, but little did anybody know what what getting that boat would do to me. Because man. Oh. That was the first year I really started hunting in the woods pretty hard and kind of doing it, you know, just completely on my own. And, um, you know, it's way different when somebody else is taking you. When you're the one driving the boat and you got to decide where to go and what to do, it, you know, it gets real. But yeah, then when you absolutely. kill them, it, you know, it, uh, it's a little more rewarding too. So, right. So, um, you, you come out on a good end of that deal. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <clears throat> you can't hardly take two of mine and add it and won't get 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. no, it, uh, man, I don't, I get, you know, just, I have a couple of practice tests and a little bit of studying I did. I guess it worked out. So. I went and took it one time and my dad said, damn, son, they give you 12 or 13 for putting your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> must not have gotten none of them right just christmas treated you know down the- <laughs> that's right oh. but yeah so that was that was really you know i i grew up uh running bird dogs with my granddad he field trialed english pointers and we did it you know the horseback deal and um uh, you know alabama south georgia that's real big and um and so i i was already been around dogs and then got into duck hunting and um, kind of got more into the duck hunting thing and then now kind of getting back more into and I got my little puppy now, so, mm-hmm. uh, getting back into that, but, um, you know, just growing up with it, it was, it's one of those things, you know, you in the outdoors, you love it. And I mean, I, I loved any time I was outside, especially fooling with a dog, but when I started duck hunting, it just, something got me. I mean, it was just different. And, uh, Tell one us- of those things where you can't, I mean, I, you know, sitting in class and teacher be teaching and I'm doing the problem on my paper, but I ain't thinking about it. I'm thinking about duck hunting. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. I love an old man's story, man. Tell some stories on your granddaddy. Man, he's, he's something special. He taught me a lot of everything I know, really. He, uh, just a great heck of a dog, man. He's had some really good bird dogs, taught me how to turkey hunt, took me on my first turkey hunt. He, uh, he's hilarious though. I mean, he, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a good one. He, uh, Shoot, I don't know. Uh, Put you on the spot. I didn't, yeah, I know. I didn't give you a heads up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something. That, what about when his dog uh, pointed to where the, oh, yeah, the yeah. Deer, deer had been laid yeah. down? Or so something? The, in a field trial, you know, when you <clears throat> a bird dog field trial, the type that we run anyway, when the dog points the birds, you get off your horse and go flush the birds and then shoot a blank gun. You know, you just shoot the shot because the dog has to be steady to wing and shot, but mm-hmm. you're not actually killing the quail or anything. And so – you know, there's a rule, no live ammunition on the course. No, You can't have any type of live shell out there while y'all are field trialing, you know, running your dogs. And so, anyway, my granddad had this dog that actually was a really good bird dog. He got invited to the National Invitational Championship one year and won some field trials and everything. But 
he was just having, you know, I don't know what he was doing that day, but hey, every these dogs wake up every day and they're a dog. Yep, that's what happened. They exactly. wake up a dog on their very best day, is what Ronnie Lee that's says. All he is is a dog. And mm-hmm. that, anyway, he was running down through there. We were down in South Georgia, and uh, you know, big beautiful pines, longleaf pines, and dogs making a good cast out through there. You know, hunting and locks up on point. We get up there, and there's a pile of deer crap there. I guess old doe had been laid up. <laughs> And if you know anything about my granddad, he cannot stand a deer. I mean, he hopes every one of them died tomorrow. <laughs> he hates a deer, you know, doesn't have much for a deer hunter, really. I mean, he is a bird, you know, bird, quail and turkeys is his deal. And right. so uh, it he was obviously upset that he was out of the field trial at that point, but the fact that it was a deer was really had him upset. And he had like gas on gas a fire. Gas on a fire, yeah. He had that dog, and this guy rode up. He said – Bill, are you gonna kill him? Pat Ball said, "You got a live shell." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was ready, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Man, he was. Uh, he said, "I'll not feed this damn thing tonight." <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, he, you know, and a he, field trial champion. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he won the national invitational one year when I was, uh, I guess I was six. He won it in two thousand four with a dog named Lucky, big orange and white male dog, and. Actually, he won a single shot 410 in that field trial, and then I killed my first quail with it that fall. So Is that right? Yeah. That's um, cool. So I still got the gun. Today. I actually killed a quail with it last week from one of my buddies. He's He's got a little golden retriever. He's trying to make a little hunting dog, and so he bought some quail. We went out to his place, and he was kind of <laughs> worried about her being timid about loud noise. I said, oh, man, this little 410, you know, we'll – We'll just pop. shoot a little quail for her, and she ate it up. She loved it. I said, man, you're going to probably make a bird dog out of her. You know, she uh, his little goldens actually, I think, turn out all right. So, yeah, but uh, anyway, just uh, right now, you know, living the dream. I mean, I, I got duck hunts for a living, and I think that's the coolest job in the world. That's you know, right. it's uh, – You may be one of the few – only guys in the country that's made a 30 on the ACT. He just got duck hunts. Got duck hunts, you know. Probably, yeah, probably <laughs> so. But, man, it, uh, you know, I I worked several different jobs and stuff in the summers in college, did different internships and things, and found out pretty quick that sitting inside all day just in for me. What your deal was it? And, uh, and then, you know, like I was saying, too, just being so ate up with duck hunting, I mean, it – I'd go 365 days a year if they let me. Okay. And uh, and so I figured the best way to get to hunt the most was to take other folks hunting. Get so, in amongst it. Yeah. Um, before you get into – I want I want to venture into to Canada and, and then Oklahoma, but you went to uh, Africa. Yeah, I did last – You went to Africa. Last August, I went – me and my family, we went to Africa. Uh, my parents made a little deal with me about my – college graduation if i you know made my grades and everything that we'd go to africa i guess when i was probably 12 or 13 i loved to read in general you know especially like old history hunting books and um i was reading you know just i mean i'd be sitting in whatever class not learning what i was supposed to i'd be reading my capstick or robert rourke books under the table and you know they talked about africa and just it was kind of one of those things where it was like you know i one day i'm going and mm-hmm. so uh, it just worked out, and we uh, we went this August, and man, that it is something special down there. If uh, you know, if you're outdoorsman like to hunt, I would definitely recommend going if you can. It's just the sheer amount of game, and uh, 
Man, I'll tell you what, that, the guy that we had down there, they call them PHs, or stands for professional hunters, but our PH is just, he was so good at what he did. I mean, he's the best guy I've probably ever been with as far as, I mean, he just, those guys are so dadgum good. They're so in tune with what those animals are doing. And, um, I mean, they got to have good animal instincts because their life is on the line. Yep. Your life is on the line. 100%. Yeah, we uh, we ended up hunting the Cape Buffalo. And, you know, that when you're hunting Plains game, I mean, it's, you know, you're still making stalks and getting your wind right, but it ain't necessarily life or death. But when you're talking about a dang 2,000-pound Cape Buffalo, that's, a, that's the real deal, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, they uh, – it was – it was a great experience. I mean, I'm trying to figure out some kind of way to get back down there for too long. Hopefully, it uh, it's one of those things, you know, it's, uh, maybe not quite as consuming as duck hunting, but it's definitely one of those things where that won't be my last time. You know, right? Um, I'm a big eating guy and food guy. What when you're in Africa? What do you eat? We all the game. So pretty much every day. <laughs> You know, because there was like three or four different groups in camp uh, while we were there. And so basically, depending on what animals were shot that day or the day before, uh, they had a full time. When they, when you brought your animal back to the skin and shed, the tracker skinned it out, you know, however you were going. If you were going to cape him out for a mound or use the skin for a rug or whatever, he would, you know, clean the animal and all that. And then they had another guy there. All he did was, uh, you know, butcher the meat, process the meat, and then the the better cuts of meat or certain game animals would stay for camp meat. And then everything else got donated to the little school, uh, about three miles down the road. So mm. they'd come about twice a week and pick up, uh, you know, dang van full of meat. And, uh, it's, pretty cool. it's really cool down there. The culture hunting culture is cool because, you know, like that school wouldn't exist if it weren't for that safari company. I mean, the government last year, the government, uh, basically told the teachers they were just, out of luck on materials like teaching materials like they didn't have any books any anything and so that safari company spent like thirty five thousand dollars to supply that school with everything they needed for the next two years you know pretty cool and uh it really is and it's cool i mean those the to be a tracker down there is a really sought after job because you're making u.s dollars and it's pretty dang good money um and so it it is. I mean, it's really a truly a very integral part of their economy. I mean, a lot of those little villages and small towns wouldn't even exist if it weren't for for the hunting they do. So when you say a tracker, is that the um, the pH? No. So you yeah you have a pH and then a tracker. So your tracker's a you know dude. Uh, the pH is like your guide. The tracker spots game, and then like say you're making a stalk, the tracker will be up on the hill and. uh he might kind of give you some direction or he might be walking right there with you. If you're straight up, I mean, a lot of times you're straight up, like you're riding down the road and he sees a track in the road and he's like, all right, you jump out and straight up track him." And, uh, man, it is amazing how good those guys eyes are at spotting game. I mean, we'd be riding along and you'd hear him hit the roof of the truck stop and he'd say something. The pH is like, Oh, okay. There's a kudu bull up on the mountain. And you're like, I don't see him. And then he's like, well, get your binoculars and you see this rock and this leaf and this bush and go 20 yards from the yellow bush and back to the left a little. And there he is. Still don't see him. <laughs> and the tracker saw him with his naked eye up there, you know. And wow. then finally you'd see him flicking the ear, twitch his tail, and you're like, okay, now I see him. But mm. it really is, I mean, amazing how good those guys, um, they're just all so dang good at what they do. Um, it is. It was great great experience just to see that and 
I think too, just seeing there's different cultures and the way different cultures view hunting. I mean, um, it's definitely changed my opinion on the way we view hunting here in America about certain things. I mean, there's certain things that before I left were just normal. And now that I've got, or before I went to Argentina and Africa, you know, they're just completely normal about how we hunt, the way we do things. And then you come back and you're like, you know, we probably do that a little better. We probably could change how we do some things. <coughs> mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it is, it's awesome down there and sunsets are just beautiful and food was awesome at our lodge. I mean, it was great. They, the guy who owned it, his sister handled all the kind of hospitality side of things. So it was like, it was really neat cause it was kind of a family, family deal. So, I mean, when, by the end of the 10 days that we were there, we felt like we were part of the family, you know? Right. Um, it was, it was awesome down there for sure. Cool. That's a cool story. Yeah, it is. I'm, <clears throat> I'm glad that, glad I got to go. In August, is it wintertime down there? Yeah. Yeah. So but, it's. But how cold is there wintertime? They're down there close mm, to the bottom. So. No, it was like, uh, the coldest morning we had was probably like 40. There was one morning it was like 38 or 40 and wind was blowing pretty good and you had to wear, put on some pair of pants. But other than that, I pretty much wore shirt, shorts every day. Really? Because once that sun gets up, it's hot. I mean, even if even if it was frost on the ground in the morning, by about 10 o'clock, it's warmed, hot. Warmed up good. Yeah. That's cool. For sure. Absolutely. All right. So, Argentina, cover that. Africa, Africa. cover that. Then Alberta was next. That was. Alberta. Let's hear about. Man. That, where you got, tell again. Uh, Ranch Land Outfitters. Ranch it's Land up Outfitters. in uh, eastern Alberta. And. Uh, <clears throat> I would say it's arguably the most target-rich environment for waterfowl in North America. Okay. I mean, it just, the sheer amount of, I mean, it's, the sheer amount of waterfowl that come through there is just indescribable until you go see it. I mean, you think you've seen some ducks on a refuge in Arkansas until you go up there. Right. You know, it just, uh, man, it's it's awesome. It's just where they be. Yep. That's just mm-hmm. where they're coming. And when, especially, like, when the geese are leaving the tundra, the snows and the specks and stuff for the the ducks that had to go up to the forest to breed or whatever. I mean, when they get there, it's the first green they see. And so they're just feeding so hard. I mean, and even if it's 50, 60 degrees, they're still going to go feed. And they're unpressured at that point, you know, so it's more similar to Argentina. I mean, you still got to hide from them and still, you know, do what you got to do to kill them. But uh, it's, it's just amazing to see the amount. I mean, the sheer numbers are just – you can't put it. I mean, you you can't wrap your head around it till you see it. You right. really don't even realize. You know, I mean, well, you got to experience it this year and just how good it is up there. Right, and, but the numbers were gone when we went. Right, y'all were late for the right. for the real big big numbers. Um, but I think up there too, it's it's you know, I learned a lot about the differences in hunting, migrating waterfowl that's just passing through versus hunting wintering birds um there's just a little kind of few little differences in your strategy and stuff and so um it was it was great for me to learn that i think it made me a much better hunter in oklahoma but having done that up there um and just i mean you spend so much time scouting and watching birds that you can't help but learn how they act and you learn why they hit a certain point in a field and why they you know, which when the wind blows this way, they're going to go that way off the roost and stuff like that. It's, um, it's just a great learning opportunity if you if you let it be. Um, Being the low man on the totem pole, 
You had to scout a lot, didn't you? Yeah, pretty much every day. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't get to hunt a whole lot, but um, you know, I I knew that going into it. I mean, you know, my boss was upfront about that, and um, the way I saw it from a career standpoint, it was a it was the right move for me to, like I said, just learn, make myself a better hunter, and um, and at that outfit, you know, I appreciated the fact that it is that way because if you come back year after year and you get better, you earn your hunts. And so it's not just like you just show up and anybody can show up and be a guide there and get to go hunting. You know, that's what everybody thinks. Oh, I'm going to go to Canada and get to hunt every day and shoot 80 stacks every day and all that. And it's like, you know, I'm, I appreciate the, the, how that place is and having to kind of earn it a little more, you know? Right. It's kind of like, uh, if you want to be a dog trainer, kind of like maybe getting up and going to work for somebody that has, been established and yeah you know, exactly you gotta you know you gotta do the lower jobs and then work your way up exactly and build yeah. that resume so you can <clears throat> be the guy down the road you know yeah. and i think too that they, i mean <coughs> you know nobody knows as much as they think they do when they're what i mean even me today i you know i'm sure in two more years i'll look back and be like man i didn't know half of what i thought i did I didn't and know enough. it uh i think that the more people can kind of hum themselves and realize that the better off they are just in life in general, you know? Um, and I think too, I mean, I've always been a big advocate. You know, when I started duck hunting, started turkey hunting, doing anything, I want to go with people that are better than me. You know, I mean, if, if you're better than me, I'm going to learn something from you that mm -hmm. day. Um, and same thing. I mean, I want to watch people, you know, my camp boss up there, he's been hunting Canada for over 20 years. He's worked at ranch land for almost 10 years and, he is a dang killer. I mean, the definition of killer. And he just sitting around talking about duck hunting with him, it's like talking about dogs with Lauren, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you learn more in 10 minutes sitting there than you could with 20 hours of YouTube. So Absolutely. Um, it It's just, I, you know, anybody listening, not that my advice is worth a whole lot, but surround yourself with folks that are better than you at whatever. If you want to get better, that's the best way to do it is – getting around people that are better at it and not only better at it just good people too that that will you know help you maintain good values and and stuff like that it's just as important as what they know in yep. my opinion no doubt and that that's a uh you know to that point i think that um that was one thing that was cool for me to see was you know um, a lot of waterfowl guys this you know talk about how hard it is to have a wife and kids and have a family and so I honestly kind of ridden that off. Like if I'm on God, I'm kind of giving that up. And uh, this past year in Canada, all those guys that I work with are married with kids and they do it. And uh, it kind of goes back to your saying about being where your feet are, you know mm -hmm. I mean? They're gone for two months, but when they're home, they're super dad, you know? And, yeah. and uh, I think it just requires a bit of effort on your part, but it's definitely doable. And it I, requires a lot of effort. Yeah. And that was, that was a great thing for me to see and learn is that it is possible. It just requires the, the time and the effort to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So <clears throat> you were there for two months. Yep. From season, I, we got there <coughs> about a week before the season started. Season started September 1st. And then we went to right up about to Halloween. I think our last day of clients was like 29th or something of October. All right. And then down to, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That's where it got real down there. He's an Oklahoma smoke show. You've been on that Zach Bryan this week. I've been kicking Zach Bryan. Sure have. But, uh, yeah, man, Oklahoma was, I mean, it, the hunting out there is, just, I would say, is about as good as anywhere in the States. And 
our first split, man, we hit the ground running. We wore them slap out the first two weeks. And, you know, it was cool out there, too, because every single guy that works at Red Rock, man, they're all good. They're all killers, and they want it bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it when and, you know, you assemble a team of 12 or 15 guys that want to kill them every day, you're going to kill them more times kill than not. Words. You know, and – um, and that's the, that was cool just to learn. And, and also, I mean, this was the first time where I went basically six months straight, you know. And uh, so just kind of learning, you know, what it takes mentally to, to get through that. Because, I mean, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have, you know, there's days where you're like, we got to find a hunt this afternoon and you don't find one. <laughs> and it's like, this is not good. And then, you know, eventually it all works out and, you know, somebody will have a hunt or, you know, one of the other camps will share a hunt with you and cover you for a day or two or whatever you mm-hmm. need. And that's the cool thing about Red Rock is the teamwork there. I mean, we have three different camps that are about an hour apart uh, east to west. So from the westernmost camp that I worked in to the easternmost camp is almost a two-hour drive. And uh, we cover a lot of ground scouting and it was just cool to see everybody come together as a team out there. And, you know, guys throwing a big goose spread one morning from the central camp. Well, I'm in the West camp, but I'm going to scout over there anyways where they're hunting. So I'm just going to go help them put the spread out or whatever, you know, late night. Hey man, we're goose hunting tomorrow. We just changed plans. It's nine o'clock, but we got to have that trailer full of decoys. Well, I'll meet you halfway, you know, and, um, that was great just to learn and also get to, you know, you really feel like you're part of a team. You really feel like it's – when it's all clicking on all cylinders and you're killing birds, it's a hell of a lot of fun, too. <laughs> oh, man, it's a lot of fun. I so, guarantee it. Yeah, and Red Rock's awesome, too, because we're pretty much repeat clients. So, uh, even though it was my first year at Red Rock, you know, all those clients had been there several years and kind of already knew everybody and knew the program. So, that makes it a lot easier. It makes my job a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and – the client, you know, just having good clients. I mean, Red Rock's been around long enough that the guys that are still coming back are the clients we want to come back and we like hanging out with and we like hunting with. And uh, and that makes a lot of difference too. So that makes a huge difference. Ain't no doubt. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to transition into something that might be a little touchy subject to certain people. But what, and it just is your opinion, and, and we're not asking everybody to agree with it, I don't have to agree with it. What is you, what do you think the impact of social media has had on hunting? Man. <clears throat> I Wait, think well, just, it, before, before you answer this, I'm going to just tell you, when we started this thing, we were, said we were going to be unapologetically ourselves. Mm-hmm. Be unapologetically yep. Walker here. And, I know, think that. If anybody complains, we'll tell them to kiss our butt. That's okay? right. That's right. Yeah, I think. There's good and bad from it, but I would say that the negative probably outweighs the positives of it right now just because, like in waterfowling, for example, uh, you know, when I started duck hunting, I mean, me and two buddies would go to Arkansas and we'd hunt all weekend and kill six or eight or ten or twelve ducks a day or maybe not even that, but, man, we loved it. It was great. Hell of a weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that that's kind of getting lost on people because it's all about the number. It's all about the pile pick. If you didn't shoot 40, you ain't done a damn thing, you know? And right. I mean, I don't, 
I, I'm not sitting here telling you I don't get caught up in it, too, because I do. I mean, there's days where I went and killed 25 or 30 ducks. I was like, man, I got my butt kicked today. This wasn't worth a damn, you know. Mm. And then I'm like, man, we shot 25 or 30 ducks today. <laughs> you know, that's really that's not awesome. that bad. It's really a pretty good day. Absolutely. And um, and so I think that that's a, kind of just a reality check a little bit for people is that the thing about social media is you got to remember that's people that's highlights. I mean, it's people posting their best days. It's if you're, you know, even like seeing somebody else on vacation, you're like, damn, man, I wish I was in Cabo right now. It's yeah. like, man, that's their best. That's their vacation for the summer. That's their best. That's the best day they're going to have all summer, you know, right. or whatever. And you can't, what you're saying is you can't go to comparing what you see other people's highlight reel. Yeah. Because you know, the negatives in yours, Right, exactly. Whether it's duck hunting, deer hunting, your marriage, yep, your anything. family life, all of anything, it. all you see is essentially for most people is the high points. Yep, and um, <clears throat> you know, I think in turkey hunting, there it's you know, there's some hot topics definitely surrounding. We're gonna get into turkey hunting, the now. right and wrong way to turkey hunt, but I think that social media has played a massive role in changing the way that turkey hunting is looked at um just across the board you know it uh i mean the same with duck hunting to that same point i think that there's just a bit of history and tradition and appreciation for the animals that gets lost when all you're worried about is a pile pick you know mm-hmm. and i i mean i guess i'm guilty of it i don't i don't post a ton of pictures of hunting and whatnot but i, I sure as heck don't post ones where we kill two exactly you know, most of the time it's a big strap of green. Yep. Yep. And, I, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, you want to show off when you kill them. And you want people, you know, like the way I look at it, when I post a picture, it's like for the people that I don't talk to on a week-to-week basis, like my buddies that I'm still friends with, I still want to stay in touch so they know what I'm doing. I look at theirs, hey, man, you had a good hunt today. I'll yeah. slide up on your story. Man, y'all got them. Good job, you know. And um, Same thing in life. I love to see – Mark Culver post a picture of his two little boys. Yep. Or Blake McDonald post a picture of his boys down there in South Alabama. I don't get to see them. Yep, exactly. As much as I used to. And I still I've, love them. Right. Still want to be part of their life, and that's a good way to be part of it. And I think it's all – I mean, part of it's just your mentality when you look at it. You know, if you look at somebody else killing ducks and it pisses you off that they're killing them and you're not, or that they kill more than you, or that it's a numbers game, you know, that's, that's probably a negative – way to look at it totally agree you need to check your weakness at the door if that's the case yeah but you know if you look at it like man they had a great hunt good for them you know that's that's the point i mean i think that's how it's supposed to be used but i just feel like it's real easy to get caught up in comparing you know same, and you can't help but do it I same mean, thing in the dog training world too yep yeah you know? i try my best when somebody does well to maybe even slow down and comment hey way to go i'm proud for you pal or just to let them know that, hell, I'm pulling for you. Yeah. Well, it was like this thing I shared on my story the other day. That it was like, you'll never see uh, – I can't remember who it was. I think it was Deion Sanders that said it. Or, no, maybe it was – I can't remember who. But it was basically like, you'll never see winners hating on other winners. You Absolutely. only ever see losers hating on winners. And it's like, man, if you catch yourself being a hater, you might need to check yourself before you check them. You know? Absolutely. And I think that might have what. I think it was Deion Sanders. I think it was. He, he puts a lot of great stuff on Instagram. He does. On Instagram. He's, he has some pretty good – he's got some, a lot of good good information, Man, good wisdom Kids are going to go out there and play for that guy. 
Yeah. Because I think he has a genuine care about the kid. He does. He You can tell he wants to – I mean, just by what he puts on social media, the stuff I've learned from him, it, I think it's made me a little better person, you know. Absolutely. And definitely, I could play for that guy for sure. <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you, I would go to war with him. Yeah, same Just here. what I see on his highlight reel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just what you know about him from the highlight reel, exactly. Right. Absolutely. No doubt. All right, so – Oklahoma, it's over. Y'all do a little bit of snow goose hunting. Yeah, I went to Arkansas, did about a little bit. I kind of, with that big ice storm hit and the place I worked didn't have any clients for the first few days. So I just went for a little while and um, we had a couple decent hunts, you know, but I uh, I like hunting snow geese in Canada, but man, I, I can, I could kind of take or leave hunting them in Arkansas. Yeah. It's just, man, they're you know it was anybody that's kind of kept up with it this year i mean the migration was weird especially in the month of february and i mean there was a lot of outfits that killed them good but there was a lot that didn't and the week i was there it seemed like there was two or three enclosed trailers for every feed you found you know i mean it was just a lot of dang people there's so many people doing that stuff now yeah and uh, i mean you know it's a good thing i mean from an outfitter standpoint you can run a lot of people you know you put up big numbers if you get them and you know it's a good I mean, I you know, I'm not knocking anybody that does it. It's just uh, I don't know that it's necessarily for me. Right, right. <laughs> so. Yep. And and I go to training dogs in, in February. I don't get to go. Reinhardt tried to get me to come up there, and I would love to go up and spend time with him and Brandon and, and go, but I just, I just really – I use up all of my time. And in regular – Yeah, regular chasing mileage, season. you know. Heard that, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm afraid if I went to Miss Carrie and be like, hey, I'm going to run up here and hunt for a couple of days uh, – she might have cut me. Yeah. Well, that's when you tell them duck season's <coughs> over, they think it's over. It's, so it's, when you start trying to add some other stuff on the end, it can, you can get a little dicey. It's definitely sure. a mentality when it's over, you know. Ain't no doubt. But um, all right. So now it's turkey season. Yep. Starts. So. I guess turkey season officially started a couple weeks ago with the youth season in Florida South Zone. But my turkey season will start next. Well, this upcoming. Uh, weekend for the North Zone Florida opener. So, me and uh, one of my fraternity brothers, his uncle's got a place down there, and we just been so lucky to get to hunt down there. And last probably five or six years, five, four or five years now, anyway. And we always kill a couple turkeys when we go. And it's mm-hmm. just a he's got a nice little cabin, a beautiful place, and it's always a great way to kind of start off the trip because you know you're going to kill at least one. I mean, this right. place has got enough turkeys that, you know, you're going you're gonna to have some luck. So, now, I'm not a turkey hunter, but it's a super slam or something like that. Yeah, well, there's all kind of different slams. Uh, the NWTF kind of sanctions the slams, if you want to call it that, or whatever. They're listed on the NWTF's website. But the Grand Slam is kind of the – first one that everybody knows and that's where you kill the four different subspecies um so you got osceola eastern rio and Merriam. okay and then they have a royal slam which is those four plus a gould's turkey um yeah they've only got them the only place you can hunt them in the u.s that i know of is in arizona and they only draw about eight tags a year but you can go to mexico they got plenty of them down there so Mm. um that's a royal slam and then uh, this gotten real popular in the last few years, and especially with really it seemed like COVID year was when it really took off. Everybody was at home and could travel a little bit, and so the U.S. Super Slam is killing a turkey in 49 states, every state but Alaska. 
So um, ain't no turkeys up yonder. I don't yeah, it's a little too cold up there for them, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, my cousin he uh, he started his super slam. He tried his first traveling hunt. He went to Florida and killed a Rio. I mean, a Osceola in two thousand and five. I want to say. And then uh, he went to Texas in 2006 and killed a Rio. And then from there, he kind of had heard about it. And so he kind of put his mind to it. And he's been working at it since since then. And uh, hopefully, he's got three states left. So hopefully, he'll finish his up this year. He's actually headed to Hawaii uh, in about a week. He'll be in Hawaii to try to check that one off. And then he's got a couple states left here in the continental U.S. to finish up. So... Um, really pulling for him. Hope he can hope he can pull it off and finish it this year. I mean, that's his. You know, for him, it's been a lifelong achievement. Right. And um, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So whenever he started doing that and kind of told me about it and explained it to me, I mean, you know, I was ten, twelve years old or whatever. And um, well, hell, I wasn't even that old. I was seven or eight, I guess. And uh, anyway, I just I I thought it was a cool idea and something that I might like to try to do and. My main goal was uh, my buddy and I, when we graduated high school, we wanted to kill our grand slams before we graduated college. And uh, so my saw after my sophomore year of college, we made a trip out west, and I killed a Rio and a Merriam there. And then the next spring, I got to go to Florida and kill Osceola. So that I finished my slam about a year before I graduated. So I kind of was a little quicker than what we had agreed on. But anyway, we got it done, and then – uh, kind of from there, I mean, the, you know, I think it kind of, we started going to North Dakota duck hunting and traveling to Arkansas to duck hunt all the time. So it was like, man, if we're driving to North Dakota to duck hunt, we can drive anywhere to turkey hunt, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, yeah. kind of, once you get into that traveling thing, I mean, it kind of, it's a little different, but it, there's something to be said to me, um, going somewhere you've never been before. You know, you got you looked at a map, you looked at Onyx or whatever, and found a place, picked a spot, and you walk out there and find a turkey and kill him. I mean, that's you've really done something, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, anyway, that that was really kind of what drove me. And then knowing about the U.S. Super Slam, that it's in the back of my head, but I'm not in any hurry, you know. Well, uh, hell, you're 24. A lot of guys since the COVID thing, when it really took off, a lot of people are in a big hurry. I mean, I, I've got a friend of mine that's trying to kill over 20 states this year. Yeah. Um, I know a, another buddy of mine from Auburn, he's killed – he started four years ago, and he's got two or three states left. I mean, maybe five left, something like that. But um, it's kind of turned into this race and competition a little bit and – to me, that ain't what turkey hunts about anyway. But I really would like to slow down and enjoy where I'm hunting. And um, I kind of started doing this little thing where, uh, whenever I kill a turkey, I try to find the closest ice cream store, go get me an ice cream cone or milkshake or something, you know, just to kind of. So I'm not just sitting there. All I'm worried about is killing a turkey and getting to the next place. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of smell the roses a little bit. Be where you feed on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, planning on, uh, this spring, I've got a couple states planned. Uh, I'm gonna head up to the Northeast in the month of May and try to knock off a few up there. I got some buddies of mine, uh, two of them I met in Auburn and one of them's from Maryland who I kind of met through social media and we hit it off and actually we all had a plan, plan to hunt last year. We all planned to go to Iowa and hunt together and, uh, 
then I went to Argentina, so I missed it. So it ended up being four guys that had never met each other, had no idea who each other were, and they all met and went turkey hunting together, and I was supposed to be the one. The that, common link. Yeah. Um, so anyway. And they're all probably buddies now. Yeah, oh yeah. We're all, <laughs> we, we've been Snapchatting and texting in our group. I mean, uh, one of the, well, two of the guys in the group actually killed some turkeys in the fall seasons uh, this year in some different places, and, uh, you know, we all, trap and burn and do different things and you know anytime any one of us sees a turkey like this year in Oklahoma one day I was scouting and came over the hill and there's about 40 turkeys walking down the field edge and you know I sent a video of it to him so we we do pretty good about staying in touch and uh I guess two of those guys are also working on their super slam and then the other two guys are just like to travel and turkey hunt so they're mm-hmm. kind of not not worried about checking off states necessarily but uh just like to go and do it with us and so we're all kind of uh but a lot of it too is our philosophy of turkey hunting is the same and that's the that's the main thing is uh there's kind of definitely two different views on how turkey hunt's supposed to be done and so we all kind of see it the same way and that do that, you care to dabble into into those views or yeah yeah i mean I, I don't mind talking about it at all yeah i mean i the way that uh there's a book called the old pro turkey hunter and in that book uh the guy who wrote the book his mentor's name was gabe and basically he says you're supposed to play by gabe's rules which is you know that just being fair to that turkey and um just now with from social media i mean Killing a turkey is not supposed to be easy. I mean, it, turkeys are hard. They're smart. They're they're keen. They you know they're they're just turkeys. And um, with the how good marketing agencies are now and outdoor, I mean, you know, folks are always trying to come up with better ways to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at some point, you just got to ask: Is it still fair to that animal? And um, and so there's just some different you know, decoys and tactics that people use that in my eyes isn't fair to the turkey. Um, so I just choose not to do it, you know. Don't make them wrong. No, I you're mean you're not pointing a finger and saying you're wrong for doing that. And there there that's the deal. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are and it's the you know, well I hate you because you hunt this way and well I hate you because I'm never changing blah blah blah, you know, and mm-hmm. that ain't ever gonna get any better. You know, that ain't ever gonna get to either side to see the same but you know, my thing is if it's, you know, if it's legal and that's how you want to hunt, I can't stop you. Mm-hmm. But I can sit here and try to explain to you why I think that it's more rewarding to do it the old-fashioned way. Right. Um, and that's just the way I see it. I mean, Good way I, to put it, like you said, it's more fair to the bird. Yeah. And uh, I just think that, you know, it also just depends to me, you know, if you just want a pile of dead feathers and put a picture on Instagram of a dead turkey – I mean, that's fine, and you can hunt, kill him however you want to. Shoot him with a rifle out of the tree and do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go turkey hunting, go in the woods with your yelper and call him up and play the game by Gabe's rules, you know. I like it. So that's just how I look at it. But, um, but yeah, you know, turkey hunting, especially here in the south, I mean, the folks that, that <clears throat> get it, you know, love it like I do, I guess it's – it's definitely way different. You know, out west is something for them to do in the springtime. Here is religion. It's what you do in the springtime. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. you know, it's um, – I mean, like your brother, he's a pretty big turkey hunter, I guess. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've definitely – Oh, and his nephew – or my nephew is bigger than him. But really, yeah. Yeah, I think he goes with him. I got you, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it's just uh, – it's a cool sport. I mean, there are, 
really cool birds and um the calling aspect i mean it's the same thing if you took my duck call away i probably wouldn't love it as much as i do you know i think that the the idea that i can go into that bird's world that duck's world or that turkey's world and use my call to convince him to do something that he wouldn't have done otherwise that's that's Man- pretty cool manipulate him to be in front of you yeah to get him within shotgun range that's mm-hmm. that's pretty dang cool um so that's really what it's all about for me is you know i <clears throat> i guess i would rather not kill one than kill one and not do it the way i like to do it right you know i mean it's all about just the the woodsmanship and the setup and the calling and the playing the game playing the chess match i heard it i was listening to a podcast one time and i I think it might have been mossy oak gamekeepers and all but um the guy they was talking to and i can't remember his name i'm drawing a blank but he said a gobbler you got to give him a stage he wants a stage to show off yep and i never thought of it in that manner you know but well, and that's the whole thing is in <clears throat> in nature that that turkey is the way it works. That gobbler flies down and he struts and gobbles, and the hens come to him. That's right. And then you know he either breathes. Kind of about hens. like when I was about twenty. That's right. 21. Yeah, I mean, walk in a bar and he just flock to you. It's coming. Couldn't beat them all. I had to walk around with a stick. That's right. Um, but yeah, so you know the hens come to him. So when you go to hunt that turkey. You're calling like a hen, but you're trying to convince him to come to you. So, I mean, already you're trying to make him do something that he really – Going against nature. Against his nature. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> and so, like, what you're talking about is, especially if you don't use decoys, uh, you know, that help fool his eyes, you've got to set up in a spot to where that turkey wants to come to and then set up to where when he gets to a certain point, I mean, they're hearing so good, he knows where that hen should be. So when he comes looking for that hen, you know, if you set up like in that dog training field, right, and he was roosted on Horsley's side and we set up on the kennel side, mm-hmm. he might fly down right there and he'll stand there and strut and gobble all day long, but he ain't going to walk across that field till he sees a hen, mm-hmm. you know. So really if you were going to try to kill one, you'd want to set up to where like you called him down that road in the back corner and when he stuck his head around the corner, shoot him. You know, if there's a little rise or something set up, you know, he comes and he's like, man, that hen's right on the other side of that hill. Let me go see if I can see her. Stick his old head up shooting. You know, mm-hmm. that, um, and that's where the the decoy thing, um, you know, is kind of, if you got a decoy, it, sometimes it can be an advantage. But here, like where I hunt, I really, I, I started out not carrying a decoy, not because I was opposed to it. And I mean, I'm still not opposed to it. Like when I go to Florida, we'll probably use a decoy because mm-hmm. um, it's a big open field and he's got to have something to look at, you know. But but you're not going to use one of them decoys that you yeah, lay down no, we and ain't, we like ain't. put on your head and crawl and all that. We right? ain't doing that. Yeah, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, that's the, and that's kind of the – the debate isn't so much about stationary decoys as it is that, the, type, deal. that type of deal, yeah. I'd have to have one big as the front of that damn GMC, <laughs> Sullivan Motors GMC out there. Get the, get, get take the hood off the behind. GMC. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, the, you know, really, I mean, my, my granddad, who my cousin, were the two people that really taught me how to turkey hunt. Neither one of them used decoys, and it wasn't because they were opposed to it or anything like that, but it was just the fact that um, – in these hardwood or in these pines or hardwoods or whatever we're hunting here, I mean, if you do it right, number one, you should be able to call him within shotgun range before he realizes what's up. But number two, 
I mean, carrying that dang thing around and it makes noise and it's in the wood, you know, you just don't need it. I mean, it's just not necessary. And so once you kind of learn to hunt without it, then <clears> there <throat> comes a point where you prefer to hunt without it. Um, and that's, I guess, kind of where I'm at now. But I'm definitely not opposed to using one. I just prefer not to. I mean, I really just don't like carrying the damn thing around. But, cool. yeah. So Good stuff. Yes, sir. I love it. Yeah. All right, yeah. so – Turkey hunting and what? But you go back to uh, Canada in August. Yep. So I'll be working here. In the here. meantime, what you gonna be doing? Yeah, I'm working at Campbell's Hillside Kennels, learning about these, <laughs> learning about these labs. While you're not turkey hunting. That's right. Yeah. In between, my I'm gonna do some guiding up in Missouri, and then I've got my kind of my big trip planned in May. So, um, but the rest of the summer I'll be here and uh, here in Foster's and working my little puppy and working a few other dogs and just helping out and uh doing that whole deal you know with my bird dog background um you know if you're a dog man you're kind of a dog man i guess but Mm -hmm. learning the finer points of training and handling these dogs you know um i think you know the biggest thing in the world is handling the dog i mean a a good handler can take an okay dog and make him great but a bad handler can take the best dog in the world make him look like a complete idiot you know Mm -hmm. um like the dog hadn't had a day of training in his life. So yeah. that's the biggest thing I want to try to get better at is understanding the hows and the whys of the, the handling and the just to make sure that when I get my puppy hunting that I'm kind of doing it right. And, you know, I want her to be as good as she can be. And uh, my goal for her is 10,000 retrieves in her life. So if we're going to do that, we got to learn how to work together as a team and right. <laughs> get it done. So Thomas Gilpin's – I, I don't know everybody with dogs, but he's the only one that I've ever known to have that many. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that's my goal. We'll see. Hopefully it'll hopefully it'll happen. But uh, but anyway, it's going to obviously take some work to get us there. But right. we ain't scared of the work. So. No, well, <laughs> well, we look forward to having you around, some man. It's going to be a good fun summer. Sure. Yeah. We're going to train the hair off of them. So, man, this has been a lot of fun. It has. Very interesting. It. It's. Spence Halford calls you the most interesting man. What's he say? Something about the most interesting young man in the world. Something, something like, like that. that. To be 24 years old, you've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I've been seen a lot of stuff go and meet the maker. Right. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've sent sent plenty to glory. I think uh, <laughs> that's what my my cousin. I used to got bear hunts at a place up in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about and, that. Uh, yeah, we. We'd run bear dogs, and you bay them up and crawl in there and shoot a big old bear right on the ground in briar patch. It's, it's pretty good stuff, but uh, that's his saying is send them to glory. So. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. I love it. Well, well man, this has been fun. Um, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on the Insta- yeah. Insta social media? Yeah, if you want to follow me on socials or whatever, just uh, Walker Davidson on Instagram and Facebook or whatever, and Hit me up if you ever want to come hunting. Holler at me, and we'll make it happen. Absolutely. Need dog trained. We can, we can figure that out, too. We, so. we, we can send you in the right direction on that, and uh, we'll take good care of you. That's right. Absolutely. You got anything else? Not really. Not that I can think of. I think we pretty much covered it. Pretty pretty thorough. And pretty, yeah. Pretty good stuff. Definitely. Yeah, it was. That was, that was a lot of fun. Good, buddy. I appreciate you taking the time to do it and all that. But we're going to get out of here. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Doghouse. 
Steve Earle, take us home, pal. And about twice a year. You buy a hundred pounds of yeast and some copper line.